Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Today we conclude Mike's message on Luke. It's interesting when you read the story of Abraham. Out of all of the inhabitants of the earth at the time, God called him. And he was not a righteous man. He was an idolater. He was a worshiper of many gods. He did not know Jehovah. But Jehovah revealed himself to Abram. And he brought Abram to a place of understanding. He chose him out of all the inhabitants of the earth to receive a promise. And that promise is found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, also chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. Again, we don't have time in this setting to go and tear all that apart. I would invite you to read that later, but just like I did with the Davidic covenant, let me give you the the overview here of the Abrahamic covenant. God promised Abraham these things, that he would create a new and great nation through him. That he was picking him out because he was going to create a brand new race, a brand new people group. And, and he promised that this people group would have, he, that there would just be just millions and millions of them. And also he made a specific promise about a specific land and said, I will give you this land. Also, God uh, said that through Abraham's offspring, that all the nations, and there when we think of nations, we don't want to think about geographic nations, we want to think about people groups. All the people groups of the earth would be blessed. Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to everyone. Oh, it's not going to be you specific. It's going to be one who comes from you. And so there's the connection. But there will be one who comes who will bless all the people of the earth. And you know, he comes out at the end with the same promise to Abraham that was made to David. Or should I say he made the same promise to David that he made to Abraham because Abraham came before David. And that is, I, I, God, I will make sure that these promises I'm making to you will come to pass. Now again, we're, we're here looking at, at, at Zechariah. And he's the one singing this song. And remember who he is. He is a priest of Israel. So he was well taught in the law, in the prophets, and in the writings. Which, by the way, is what the Old Testament was called before there was a New Testament. So back in those days, it wasn't an Old Testament. It was just the law, the prophets, and the writings. And he was familiar with the covenants that God had made. But in this instance... It is the Holy Spirit who is empowering him to see how John's birth and Jesus' impending birth are bringing the fulfillment of these covenants to pass. You see, when God told Abraham that in him all the nations would be blessed, he was pointing to a specific offspring. A specific one who would come through the line of this new people that God is bringing forth through Abraham. That one specific Jew... The descendant from Abraham was at that moment growing in the womb of Mary. His life, his death, his resurrection would make him a wellspring of mercy that God promised to bring to his people. His redemptive work would deliver God's people, both Jews and Gentiles, from the hand of their enemy. And do you know who our real enemy is, church? You may look beside you and see your wife and think she's your enemy. Or, wives, you may look beside you and see your husband and think he's your enemy. And parents, you might look at your kids and think they're the real enemy. No. No. The real enemy 
And he's the, it's the enemy of everyone is sin and spiritual death. And the redemptive work of God through Jesus is intended to deliver repentant people from the hand of their enemy, empowering them to be set free to live for God, to live for God without fear of condemnation, to be covered in the Messiah's holiness and righteousness, forever making us dearly loved and secured sons and daughters of God. Baby John's birth was the signal to Zechariah that God's plan to bring the Davidic and the Abrahamic covenant to fulfillment, that he was bringing that to fulfillment, he recognized it is now in play. The baby he was holding and singing over, chosen to prepare the way for the one who is the fulfillment. And this is what was bringing joy and to Zechariah's heart and flooding out from him in prophetic words because he was seeing these promises of God being brought into real space and time, no longer just things to believe in faith upon, but the experience was in the pathway. Now, as important as both the Abrahamic and Davidic covenants are, uh, there is one more covenant that is perhaps greater. It, I would say it's greater for sure in the sense that it had to come to fruition for the Davidic and the Abrahamic covenant to actually be fulfilled. If this third covenant never came, if it never was done, then those other two couldn't be fulfilled because they rested upon this third. And it's called the new covenant. The new covenant. And Zechariah concludes his song speaking in relative terms about the new covenant. Verses 76 through 79. Now the new covenant is an Old Testament prophecy as well. You'll find it in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. The writer of Hebrews, the New Testament book, referred to it as he wrote about the superiority of Christ's ministry and new covenant over that of the Mosaic covenant. Let's talk just a moment about the Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic covenant was a conditional covenant. It was conditional in that it required people to keep the law. If you kept the law, then you were found righteous and everything would be good. <laughs> the problem is no one could keep the law and so everyone was found guilty. And this then is the fault or the shortcoming of the Mosaic Covenant. It was unable to save. It was unable to save us from, the, from sin's penalty, from its power, from its presence because all the Mosaic Covenant could do was show us God's righteousness, His holiness, and our fallenness. That's all it could do. So all it could do is condemn us. And therein it was weak to save us. The new covenant, on the other hand, is an unconditional covenant. It's unconditional in that it rests not on our ability to keep the law, but on God's willingness through the cross and the resurrection of Christ Jesus to place His righteousness on us so that our salvation rests not on our works, but on His grace. Listen carefully as I read from Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 13. Verse 6, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant He mediates is better 
since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant, he's speaking there about the Mosaic covenant, had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. But God finds fault with them. Oh, notice though, I want you to see, he doesn't find fault with the first covenant. It was perfect. But he found fault with the people upon whom the covenant was given. Because they couldn't keep it. So he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish, ah, a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, here we go with the new covenant. I will put my laws into their minds. I, God, I will insert that. I will put my laws into their minds. And I will write on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. And they shall not teach each other at uh, one his neighbor, each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be, and here we go, I will be merciful toward their iniquities. And I will remember their sins no more. The reason that is the case is because the Messiah was coming to deal with those things for us. And so in verse 13 he says, In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete is growing old. And growing old is ready to vanish away. In case all of those words that kind of twist and turn in and out of Old Testament stories don't make a whole lot of sense to you, let me just condense all that into New Testament language found in Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. The Apostle Paul writes, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The new covenant is a covenant that was made and sealed by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It is the very work Jesus came to the earth to do. During this Christmas season, as you celebrate the birth of Jesus, don't forget why He was born. He was born to bring the new covenant into play. To bring fulfillment, to give his life for us, to take our guilt upon himself, to fully pay the price and the debt for our sin, to die our death and then to rise again to bring us new life. It was this plan that Zechariah refers to in the closing stanza of his song. Not a plan of, uh, of, of men having to work to earn God's favor, but a plan where God's own Son would take our sins and God's wrath for sin upon Himself. The new and final covenant had to be fulfilled in order for the Abrahamic and the Davidic covenant to be fulfilled and applied to our lives. In Christ, Abraham has become a blessing to the whole world. In Christ, David's heir rules in justice and righteousness with an eternal rule. In Christ, 
Sinners are redeemed from the penalty power and ultimately even the presence of sin by God's power. And it is given to us as a gift through faith. Today, we celebrate the bread and the cup of communion because these elements symbolize the working out and the ratification of the new covenant of salvation through Jesus Christ. I want you to take note on this next slide. Luke 22, verse 20, record Jesus' own words on the night that he was betrayed. He says, this cup, you see the cup there with the wine in it that's red, represents his blood. He said, this cup is poured out for you. What does he say it is? It is the new covenant in my blood. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and only because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we can come near to God. We can know Him as our loving Father instead of judge. And we can be known by Him as dearly loved sons and daughters. Folks, this is the song that Zachariah sang. This is the meaning of its stanzas. And I ask you, has it become real in your heart? This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.